it's the first non-post-game episode of Wizards After Dark in a little while. Just in case you completely forgot who I am in the week that I haven't actually podcasted. I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic. I'm the host of Wizards After Dark. And uh, we're not doing a post-game show, quite obviously, because there are no actual games to talk about post. Uh, So I'm just talking... Awards ballots. I feel like everybody cares about that now. I have a vote, or I had a vote, and already sent it in because the season's over. And on the line, he doesn't cover the Wizards, but he has a vote too. And we're talking about the league. He's one of my just favorite people in the NBA, uh, ESPN's Rocio. I have seen the Wizards, though. Does that count? <laughs> You've seen the Wizards. You've seen the Wizards, and you have survived to tell about it. Mm-hmm. I've seen the Wizards. I, I, the Wizards were kind of like low-key fun for the last like month of the season where they were just irreverent and just kind of nothing really too much to play for, like kind of on the fringe of the playoff picture, you know, but like – and and Scott, I feel like Scott Brooks always gets his players to play pretty hard. And Bradley Beal was awesome. So they were kind of – they were kind of like quietly fun to, to – They were – they were a top ten offense the last like two and a half months of the year. And – about a, what a bottom bottom, bottom five, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> if the Cavs were not historically terrible, then like the Cavs had the worst st- defense statistically in terms of points allowed per possession. I think in the history of the modern era, right? Yeah, yeah. I think you might be right, or so something like that. So if it weren't for the existence of the Cavs, the Wizards would have been in a little bit of trouble. But because of that, the Wizards were just, like, terrible for a season, as opposed to terrible compared to the rest of history. Even oh, though it was their worst defensive efficiency, it was their franchise worst in the modern era, too. So, But offense was up around the league. They got their excuses. At least they were fun. They were fun the last month or so of the season. Yeah, I mean, just mainly because, and I'm sure this will go into your awards balloting extravaganza here, because Brad Beal was awesome. Bradley Beal was quite awesome. Where do you have like everybody you voted for and, and such in front of you? I'm actually just realized that I don't remember them all off the top of my head, and I'm frantically searching <laughs> through my email to find that like the response email that you get, you know, when you send submit it. Yeah, that that Ernst and Young that. email. Yeah, just trying to find that real quick. Wow. <laughs> really, you're a great guest. I'm I'm already so excited that I had you on. This is. This is like when we used to podcast. Oh yeah, this is like when we used to podcast about the Thunder together, and we would randomly Google stuff. Now you're just searching through your emails. Yeah, I'm just hold on. Hold on, I got to respond to a quick email. I gotta (laughs) (laughs) respond to this email. I got it. I got it. All right, there we go. I'm glad they actually. I'm glad they sent it. Like four years ago, when I voted, four or five years ago is the first time I ever voted, and I don't think that they sent you this email either that or I lost it. And I had to like go bother Mark Broussard or somebody with the NBA and be like, "Hey, could you tell me who I voted for?" <laughs> like, because I don't really re- like once once all the once everything became transparent or whatever, I was like, I don't remember what my vote my votes were for. You ever have a player personally like ask or like personally and obviously campaign for you to vote for them for something? Uh, I've never had that happen. No, I've never had a player do it necessarily. I had sometimes, a player sometimes. Sometimes you get an agent or something that might say, "Oh yeah, hey, well agents so you know. for sure." Teams obviously. Yeah. I mean, a player. You like did a have a player though. Oh yeah, Ennis Canner. Oh Ennis. yeah, of course. I, yeah, but he was not completely sincere. No, he was not completely sincere. But he uh, he called me over in the locker room a couple of years ago, asked me if I had a vote. I told him I didn't. He said that's too bad, and 
he said, that's too bad. I was going to ask you to vote for me. And I said, for what? Sixth man of the year? And he said, no, man, for best defensive player. <laughs> well, my favorite part is that he said best defensive player, not defensive player of the year. Vote for just me for best, best one. Defensive player. Just the number one. Number one. It's a it's a career achievement award is what it is. <laughs> hey, that's Ennis. Uh, let's start. You 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 transition nicely. Uh, I know people care about MVP and all that stuff, but this is a Wizards podcast, so we'll start yep. with the Wizards centric thing. Did you vote for Bradley Beal for All NBA? <laughs> yeah, so it's like let's start with the Wizards centric. Centric thing. Who's on your third team all NBA? Yeah. <laughs> Start with the wizard centric thing. Was Thomas Bryant on your MIP ballot? Uh, the Wizards had, you know how like every team does their campaigns or whatever, and they they put out, you know the they send out the 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 sheets and the posters and you know yeah, yeah. this is this person's case and whatever. So they had Bradley Beal all NBA, obviously, and because he has a very good case, and uh, they had Thomas Bryant from MIP. I was like, look, Thomas Bryant obviously made a huge jump. He was in the G League pretty much all last mm-hmm. year, and he started the vast majority of games for the Wizards this year. But, like, people are really going to vote for Thomas Bryant over, like, D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, I know. And Pascal Siakam. You've got to, like, it's like you've got to do it, you know. I also wonder about the other side of it. Like, so the Warriors, you know, they, they made a campaign for, I'm trying to remember who all they, you know, they have a lot to campaign for. But I remember Draymond, you know, Draymond for all defense, I think, was in that, or Defensive Player of the Year. That was part of their campaign. And so, like, when it could have kind of, quote, unquote, negative effects on the team, I wonder if there's kind of like a, uh, oh, man, like, don't don't campaign, campaign too hard for that guy. Because, you know, then it with the Supermax tie to all NBA and all defense and awards and stuff. Now I wonder if it makes teams kind of go, huh? I don't know if we want to campaign that hard for, for that guy. You are so good at transitions, Royce. Yeah. The wizards were not like campaigning that hard. They were, they were just kind of sending it out. And, and I, there were definitely people in the Wizards who were like, eh, because Bradley Beal is super max eligible. Yeah. He makes all NBA. Yeah, exactly. There were definitely people inside the Wizards who were like, ah, you know, people really like Brad there. Everybody likes Bradley Beal inside that organization. But I think there are people who are like, eh, things will be a lot easier for us if mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't quite get there. Um, my prediction is that he's going to do it. I voted for him too, by the way. Um, yeah. Let's get into it. Give me the rest of your All-NBA, and then we'll talk Beal specifically <clears throat> or right. else. You may start with third team or first team. Yeah, let's start with first team. Okay, I've got first team all NBA: Paul George, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Steph Curry, James Harden, and to me, those four were I thought fairly obvious. I think some people might have had Durant instead of George. Maybe I don't know. Um, and then the one the one difficult choice was either Joel Embiid at center or Nikola Jokic, and I went with Jokic. We had the exact same first team. Yeah, I if Embiid played more games, I would have put Embiid. That's kind of where it but, came down. But Jokic played about 450 more minutes. I mean, that's like 12 We've had this discussion before, and, and I might I, – I think we've had this discussion before, Fred, and I might lean on it a little bit too much in terms of games played. But I just I just view like if, if there's a guy that's played 79 games or 80 games versus somebody that's played 59 or 60, like – you're not. You're just not. You're not making your team better when you're not playing. You know. So like, if you're an All NBA player, and and so many times it's not your fault. I mean, it's not like Embiid was resting. You know, I think with Kawhi Leonard and the load management stuff, that's even a little bit different when a guy's just kind of not playing, uh, for like you know precautionary reasons. But like Embiid had an injury, <clears throat> and and he had to like sit out. So like, it's not his fault. 
But, like, he's adding no value to the Sixers when he's sitting on the bench. And Jokic is out there playing 79-80. I don't know how many he played. How many did Jokic play? I don't even know. Jokic played a little over 2,500 minutes, and I think Embiid was a shade over 2,000. Yeah. And and so, I mean, that's, that's, you know, 450 more minutes of production. I mean, it's it's like 12 games worth of playing time. 13 games worth of playing time, something like that. I mean, that's a legitimate difference. I mean, I to me, that's a totally valid tiebreaker. Availability is the best a, ability. Did you have any other uh, close calls on your first team? With Durant, no. Durant and George I, Durant, were the only two that I kind of like. Durant and George were kind of hard, but Paul George has such a – I mean, he it wouldn't have been hard if he didn't have that shoulder injury and his shooting hadn't fallen off over the last month and a half. But he had such a great defensive season. And his defense didn't really, I mean, you saw it more than I did, but his defense didn't really fall off much in, in my estimation. And like, he just, he's, he's on my all defensive, all my defensive player of the year ballot, my best defensive player ballot. And like, he was so great this year on both ends that I just, I thought he pretty, he narrowly edged out Durant. Uh, I had both those guys on my MVP ballot, but, uh, but I put him ahead. Well, and this is um, not to jump ahead, but like when we do talk about MVP, so like I have a discrepancy versus my in my MVP top five versus my All NBA first team, and I feel like uh, once we get the MVP, I'll explain it a little bit better. But like I, but a teaser is I, I view. I think a lot of people think like that your all first team All NBA has to completely align with your MVP ballot, but like they're two different things. All MVP, All NBA, and MVP are different. It's most valuable player. Um, so mine, mine don't necessarily coincide, but my second team, I'll jump ahead. Uh, I do have Durant. I have Embiid. I have Damian Lillard. I have Kyrie Irving and I have Blake Griffin. That was a, that was a tough one. That four, I felt like that last forward spot was the hard choice on, uh, on second team. Really? I'm no, I don't agree. I have Blake on my third team, but I had him there. I had him there initially and I moved it like literally last second. Yeah. To me. Kawhi is. I know his defense was down. His defense was down a tick this year, and Toronto was still super successful when he rested. I don't really have a problem with that, but Blake. I mean, Blake really, really carried Detroit. I mean, look at Detroit now. Now that they don't have him, they're just getting waxed because they have. I've said before, Detroit doesn't have the worst guard play in the league. That belongs to like Phoenix or maybe Orlando. But or the worst they, of any uh, postseason team, though, right? I think yeah, that's a good Orlando, maybe. Yeah, but I mean, DJ Augustine looks like a yeah. team yeah. guy. They, they have they have the most depressing guard play, though. It's just yeah. like a slog. Their guards are just like they they make me sad. I feel like I need to take Xanax when I watch the Pistons without Blake. Well, because like they ha- they have like what you would think, and any given night, Reggie Jackson will look fantastic. But then also any given night, it's like one for seven, four points. <laughs> and it's he just gives you so little. I mean, Blake is just – he's their everything. He's awesome. But with Kawhi, honestly, sometimes it just comes down to me. It's like, yeah, Kawhi with, – with Jokic and Embiid, for example, those guys are pretty close as players. And so to me, the, the playing time thing made a big difference to me. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that we're talking about Blake Griffin as the guy with the more playing time. But but to yeah, me, but it's like Kawhi, Kawhi is such even with his defense down a tick this year, he's such a su- Blake's a better facilitator, but Kawhi is just such a superior defender and scorer, and it was all season on every level that 
I just felt like I was going to look back on it and be like, am I really going to say that Kawhi is not as good? Didn't have as good of a season as Blake Griffin. And Blake had a great year. I mean, I had him all NBA. He had a fantastic year. I just felt like it would be wrong not to put Kawhi second. But I don't really have a problem with Blake there. Otherwise, my, my second team is the same. I have Lillard and Kyrie, who are pretty easy choices for me. Kawhi and uh, and KD. And uh, and then Embiid is my second game center. Yeah. Yeah, and for the games played thing, Blake played 75 games. Kawhi played 60. That was that was a big difference. The, that, was, that was probably what influenced me most. I mean, their numbers across the board are actually quite similar. And, and, and it was just hard for me to ignore with Blake just the incredible. Quite similar. Uh, <laughs> um, but the incredible three-point leap. I mean, he led, he led the Pistons in three-point makes. That's incredible. The way he has transformed his game is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. No, no, like all NBA caliber player has transformed his game stylistically more than Blake Griffin in the last ten years. Yeah, no one okay. made it one way getting all NBA, then completely changed. That's a good he point. Will make it and completely changed the way he played to become all NBA again. That's actually that's kind of an interesting. I mean, that is that takes a wild amount of like. What am I thinking? Like, what's the way to put it? It, it, it takes a wild amount work. of self, self – well, yes, work, <laughs> but I was thinking more self-awareness. Yeah. I mean, clearly well, he's yeah. a worker, but it takes an amazing amount of self-awareness. There are a lot of players who are like, no, I've been doing it all this way. I became an All-NBA player. He finished third in MVP voting in 2014. He was a great player. There are a lot of guys who say, you know, I've been doing it this way forever. Clearly it works. Look at my resume. I don't need to change my game completely. Maybe I need to make some adjustments, but I don't need to change my game completely. He changed his game completely, and he's great. He's legitimately great. Uh, who's your third team? Okay, so third team. I went into this this exercise thinking I'm not voting LeBron for third team. Like it was like I wanted to personally punish LeBron for the bad season that the Lakers had, and and LeBron was injured throughout a lot of it. Uh, I also felt like I wanted to deduct points from LeBron for derailing. Uh, for having some influence in derailing the Lakers season along with the Pelican season. And so I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm not putting LeBron on it. And then, like, you start going into it. You start looking at the numbers. You start uh, comparing him versus other players. It's like, okay, well, LeBron has to make it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I was just couldn't avoid it. Yeah, um, it really falls know. off after six forwards. Yeah, that's what – I mean, and that's what it was. I just didn't have anybody else to, to put there. I mean, that's – I had LeBron, Kawhi. I had Brad Beal. I had Russell Westbrook. And I had Carl Towns. Okay. We had a little discrepancy here. So I went Westbrook, Beal, Blake, LeBron, and I went Rudy Gobert. Mm. Now, Towns was forward eligible, but yes, there was yes, no chance yes. I was putting Towns at forward, for the record. Right. Basketball right. reference estimate, you know how basketball reference does the uh, positional right. estimations, the percentage of your minutes you play in each position? You know how many, uh, what percentage of his minutes... Carl Towns guess, like, played a power 11%. forward. 11%. Basketball reference estimates that Carl Towns played 0% of his minutes in this year. <laughs> 0%. He played – I mean, I I was like, I, I never see him play forward. They play him in the dunker spot. He only guards centers. Uh, I went I went to double check because I was like, if I'm going to hold this against him, not put him on as a forward, I really need to be able to back it up. He played 21 minutes all season next to Gorgie Jang. If they considered him at all a forward, he would have played next to him at some point in, in, in lineups, more than 21 total minutes. Carl Towns is not a forward. 
it's cheating and manipulating a loophole in the system. Like, it, it, it may not violate the rules that the NBA is imposing, but it violates the spirit of the rules. I, to me, with, with Townsend and, uh, with Townsend Gobert, it just came down to, and Towns is great. He was so great in the end of the year. But a lot of those massive scoring nights were just coming in games that didn't really matter. Yeah. There wasn't really any pressure on. He was not that good for the first month of the season. And that doesn't make him not a great player. He is a great player. But it's a season-long award. And I think sometimes, like, you know, like with Harden, people talk about how he led the Rockets back from an 11-14 and 14 start. And that's great. He had an unbelievable, historically unbelievable season. But it's not like he was hurt for 25 games. He came back there 11-14. and 14. He led them. He was there when they got to the 11-14 and 14 start. Like, it's a... It's a full season award to me. And uh, on top of that, I think Gobert is better at defense than Towns is at offense. I think Towns is the best offensive big in the league. But if you have Carl Towns, you are not guaranteed a top five defense. If you are top five offense, if you have Rudy Gobert and you put average defenders around him, you're probably going to have pretty close to a top five defense. Like he is a he's a great defense on his own, and to me the fact that he was so he's so dominant on one side of the floor, the Jazz completely do like everything the Jazz are able to do is because they have Rudy Gobert. Every scheme they play defensively is because they have Rudy Gobert. The fact that I am able to look at Joe Ingles and think that he's so awesome is because he has Rudy, Rudy Gobert behind him, so he's able to kind of pull these defensive tricks that makes it okay because he's funneling guys to Rudy Gobert and not to some center who can't help him the way that Gobert can. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to I, I wanted to reward that for Gobert. I just – they're both great players. Uh, but I, I, I thought Gobert had a really – and also gets too much crap for not being, like, for his offense. Like, he's, he's a legitimately really good offensive center. He's a great screen setter. He's an amazing lob guy. He finishes around the rim well. He's a better passer than he gets credit for. He'll pass out of those roles and, and make smart, like, on-point passes. Like, he's he's a pretty good offensive center, even if he doesn't shoot or, like, create for himself in the post. Can I change my ballot? You talked me into it. <laughs> Did I really? Yeah, I mean, I, was, I wasn't, like, that strong on Towns. I mean, I really wasn't, but... I probably fell victim a little bit just to the uh, statistical siren Towns song. Towns is awesome. Towns', Towns awesome. stats look really good. He's ridiculous. He's the best offensive big man in the NBA. It's a hard thing when you're voting. I mean, I think that everybody needs to understand that. It's because you want to be consistent. That's my whole thing. I want to always try to be consistent with my logic on where I'm voting for people. And so, you know, you take little things that you apply – um, and sometimes it's about team success, but then it's like, so then you, you get somebody like Bradley Beal and I think his case is kind of comparable to towns. Right. Mm-hmm. And that like, so like the team wasn't very good. They didn't win a whole lot, but like, man, they were individually great. And, and so it's like, well, am I going to knock one guy against the other guy? And like, what do the other candidates look like? So it, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing in terms of picking where, you know, where you want to fall on a guy. Yeah. Let's talk Beal. Why'd you vote for Beal? Who were, who were the other people that. in the conversation for you? I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot of great other options. And and I think that that's – and I'm not, I don't mean that to take away anything from voting for Brad Beal there. Um, but, uh, I mean, the main reason I voted for Beal, I think, is really it, it kind of comes down to just how he handled the last two months of the season. I, you probably know it off the top of your head a little bit better than I do, Fred. But, like, what, what were Beal's 
numbers post All Star break. I don't even know what they were off the top it of my was, head. But. It was something like twenty nine seven and seven on really high I mean, efficiency. Right. I mean, and that's just, and that's also with with uh, the situation the Wizards were in that like every team is selling out to basically stop Brad Beal on every single night. I mean, that, that every defensive game plan was trying to take the ball out of his hands. Um, I think the other candidates you could have gone. Could have gone with Ben Simmons, maybe. I think he was a candidate for that spot. You could have gone with D'Angelo Russell. Um, he was a candidate for that spot. Uh, Kimball Walker was probably in that mix. Um, I think that you uh, – who else? Am I? Uh, maybe Jamal Murray if you were, like, really trying to push my, it. I mean, you got my Clay last guy, yeah, Clay was my last guy off. Uh, I'm trying to go off the top of my head. Maybe DeMar DeRozan. My, uh, DeMar DeRozan is going to get votes. Mike Conley is going to get some votes. Mike Conley. Yeah, Drew Holiday might yeah. get a vote here or there. Drew Holiday, yeah, that's about it though. I mean, maybe maybe Devin Booker if somebody wanted to like really yeah. really go with the statistical yeah. route. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Mm. Um, so I mean, like I think that Beal versus a lot of the, I think the the primary um, the primary competition was probably Ben Simmons, D'Angelo Russell, Clay Thompson, and Demar Derozan. Probably like that, that and that that group and Conley is a good one, but like I, I think that. Beal versus those guys, I think Beal just flat out had a better year. I, I think that's really what it came down to to me. Yeah, I mean, me too. I, I hate that we have to vote on this crap, and now it's going to affect whether or not he's Supermax eligible, and I, as a beat writer covering the team, and 1% of the decision affecting the future of the team that I cover. And get, yeah, it's kind of a gross feeling, isn't it? Oh, yeah. it, it? It's not is. your it's, fault, though. No, it's not it's your not. choice. It's not. It's a uh, stupid, stupid rule. Everybody agrees. The journalists all think it's stupid. The the people in the league are like, why the hell are you deciding our our you know our contracts? I'm like, I know. You think we wanted this? We didn't ask for this. They don't call us in during the CBA negotiations. Like I now, I, I will defend all day that I I think I think reporters voting for awards. Obviously, I'm extremely biased. I think that we're the best choice for it. I mean, when it comes just down to voting for for these awards, you know, a lot of people say players, a lot of people say coaches, lot of, but like. They're, they're, we have the least stake in the game when it comes to some of this stuff. Like, and um, and also, I think that we absolutely put the most effort into it. Like, we pay attention to it far more than anybody else does. Uh, like, if, if you if you really if you think players should be voting on this, you're just crazy. Like, players just players voting for awards would be just a disaster. Oh uh, God! So I will defend that. <laughs> yeah, you see the random all star votes that guys get. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it would. It, it's and you people think, oh well, that's just all star. That they they're just having fun with that. No, they would do the same thing. I promise you. Oh, when they have their their own awards, the players, whatever it's called, awards. And uh, I have been in locker rooms with guys filling it out, and have laughed while it's happened, but have witnessed some totally insane votes. And when I say insane, I don't mean insane because the player doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean insane because the player is intentionally voting for a ridiculous person to be funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Uh, I had Beal. Clay Thompson was my last guy off. I felt bad for Clay because I kind of... He's a great... He's a legitimately phenomenal player. He was my last guard off of all NBA, and he was one of my last guards off of all defense. And if he made all defense, I'd have no problem. If he made all NBA, I'd have no problem. He was he had great numbers on the season. And he ended up getting his three-point shooting up to 40% and all that. But he was inconsistent this year. He, like, he wasn't great for the beginning of the year. He had a mm-hmm. lot of one-for-seven games, you know? 
and that three point percentage was propped up by the random fourteen you know three pointer game and and the other games where he goes for for twelve and I don't want to make it sound like I'm I'm trivializing Clay Thompson just having a game where he just goes off for a boatload of threes. I'm not. Uh, it's obviously wildly impressive. He is the second best shooter in the NBA behind his teammate. He's awesome. I love his game. But when you go for like 14, and Clay's not normally like this. Normally he's wildly consistent. So this I think was just an off year in the way his season played out, and that's it. But when you go for 14 in a game that your team is winning by 38. Those last five three-pointers don't have the value of if they came in a totally separate game in a close game. And, like, he's a better defensive player than Beal, no question. Beal had a subpar defensive season this year. But I think Beal, because he's asked to do so much more, the fact that he's able to maintain the efficiency and just maintain the consistency, get very, very, very few just, like, off nights. And he doesn't have the ability – he'll go for 40 every once in a while. He doesn't have that, like, spurt ability like Clay does. But – I think there's value in just being there for 25 to 30 and seven assists and to be able to beat traps and to be able to run pick and roll and to lead an offense. And we saw Beal when he was at the helm. Like you said, the Wizards offense was legitimately good when he was the best Mm -hmm. player on the floor. And it's not like they were overflowing with offensive talent. Uh, They were, they were an efficient offense with Beal leading them. So, so Beal got there. Uh, I didn't really consider Kemba Walker. To be honest, uh, pretty much most of the things – I think Kemba's a really good player, but most of the things that he does, he's just – he's not quite as good as Beal. His – pretty much all the numbers are down. Uh, he's not the defender that Clay Thompson is. He's not the defender that Drew Holiday and Mike Conley are. He's not the facilitator that any of those guys are. Uh, so I just – he had a great season with the way that he led a team that had nothing, but I just – I couldn't find a way to, to put him on. Want to move on to MVP? Yes, let's do it. Who's, who, just tell me who your winner was. Uh, I can tell you this, and this is not me trying to soften the blow for all the criticism that I'm sure that I'm just going to feel heaps of, but I literally changed my mind at the 23rd hour when I sent the ballot in, but I voted Giannis. Oh, you're not going to get criticism. He's going to win. Uh, I, I went, Yeah, but I, but I mean, but I, mean I, I don't know. I just I, – well, you're going to get criticism either way. You're going to get criticism if you vote for Harden, too. I mean, That's I, I the beauty of the I internet, say, I should have – I missed my opportunity for a great uh, great joke there. I could have set that up and said some, some funny player's name like Raymond Felton there. Yeah. I just realized <laughs> <laughs> uh, – but I didn't go with Felton at the end. Can you edit that? Can you edit it that way so it's funny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll change it. It'll be perfect. I, it, it'll be like uh, when you hear like a voicemail and you hear, you have reached the voicemail of Raymond Felton. That'll, that'll be it. Uh, so I went, I went Giannis, Harden, Paul George, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. Oh, we have a different list. We have a different top five. Yeah, Breaking yeah, news. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give it to me. What's yours? Okay, I went Giannis one, Harden two, Damian Lillard three, mm. Paul George four, Nikola Jokic five. Yeah, Lillard's great, and Jokic I, is great. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why I went. So I kind of give my case for George over Durant earlier. The reason I went Durant four. I mean, he's Kevin Durant. That's that that basically should be enough. But if you look at the on-offs from Durant, with Durant on, he basically carried them when Curry was out for that stretch earlier this year. If you look at they were they were a half a point per 100 possessions better with Durant on and Curry off. 
which is like, it's good. It's fine. It's not unbelievable. They still have other great players. But when Durant was on and Curry and Clay were off, so it's basically just Durant and Draymond or Durant, Draymond, Cousins, and Cousins wasn't all that helpful this year. Not like the unbelievable Warriors all-star cast. They were like plus 11 per 100. When Durant was on and Clay, Steph, and Draymond were all off, they were still like plus 10 or something per 100. Like Durant absolutely, and Steph has, has similar types of on-off stuff. Like when it's just him, they're still awesome. Mm-hmm. Durant was so good this year, which is, I mean, I shouldn't say this year. It's always like this. But he's still so good that, like, if you have Kevin Durant, you are basically going to be awesome. And, yeah. like, I know that his value, which I'm putting in air quotes, is is kind of stifled a little bit by the fact that he has so many other great players around him. But even when those great players aren't around him, he makes their team kick ass. And, like, that to me, it's just like, I, I had to, and same thing with Curry, and I was like, I, Lillard was so awesome this year, and they came, overcame so much adversity, and obviously Jokic was incredible, and those guys would have been, if the, I could go seven deep in my ballot, those guys would have been six and seven for me, but, like, I just, with the way that those two guys carried the, mo- the team in moments when they had to, and then were still awesome when they played together, I just, I felt like I had to, I had to throw them on there. But it was hard. Well, it was really hard. But if you, I mean, see, to me, and, and, and maybe it's not fair, but, um, and this is what I was talking about when, when I, I view all NBA differently than I view most valuable player. And Durant, you know, I, I wanted to make a case for him even over Paul George for first team all NBA. Now, I went with George, but if you'll notice, I had Curry first team all NBA and I had Lillard second team all NBA. And, the reason for it is is basically just the value part, just the V. And I, I think, you know, if you look at what Lillard did for the Blazers, and, and, and look, if you flipped roles and you put Steph Curry on the Blazers, the Blazers might have even been better because I think Curry's a better player. But he wasn't. Lillard was on the team. They won 53 games. They finished in the third seed. Uh, Lillard had probably the best year of his career. And I, I just kind of view that in the same way with Durant. And, and look, I understand it. It might not feel fair at all to dock the Warriors for just having the good fortune of having all these players together. But for me, it's just hard to find the value argument when you play with those kind of players. And, you know, you laid it out nicely, Fred, I mean, with, with the on-off stuff, and that's that's all well and good. But I think the hard and, – and I really hate reducing the MVP discussion to take that guy off this team and where are they at? Like, I mean, you do that to just about anybody. And, I mean, heck, take Devin Booker off the Suns and they win, like, one game. So, like, is you know, is he worth 20 wins and does that make him a most valuable player candidate? You know, I don't, I don't think that that's the best way to always make the argument. But I think sometimes in comparing in, in these situations where you don't have the luxury of three or four other all-stars around you – Comparing like somebody like Damian Lillard or Jokic, like those guys were kind of the singular forces that drove their teams to the top of the Western Conference, and so that's that's why I leaned on them. Give me forty seconds on why you did Giannis over Harden. Um, it really came down to uh, just the dominance of the Bucks, and and I think that uh, with the amount of double digit wins that they had, their net rating. And this is a discussion I had with Brian Windhorst on the Hoop Collective that you're you're weighing James Harden's importance in mega moments and crunch time and clutch spots 
versus the fact that Giannis was never in them because his team was so dominant and so good. And so, like, what do you prioritize there? And could Giannis have averaged 35 a game if he had played more fourth quarters? Maybe, you know, like, so um, that's that's really just kind of what swung it. And and this is really elementary. I'm going, about to hit 40 seconds. It, it I this is this is really, really probably unfair and irrational, Fred, and I recognize that. But the Rockets finished fourth, and they were they were the last night of the season away from finishing second. And I think if the Rockets had finished second in the West, I probably would have went with Harden. But they finished fourth, and and the Bucks were a dominant number one seed in the East. So there's a uh, Daryl Morey quote, which I'm going to butcher, so I'm just going to say I'm paraphrasing it, which is a good reason to vote for Giannis over Harden, ironically. Uh, this was from years ago. Is this from 2016, I assume, the 2016 MVP race? Uh, I don't remember if it was – I don't think it was in relation to MVP at all. Okay. It was uh, It was great teams don't win close games. Great teams avoid close games. Right. Which is basically what you're playing. But I, And I love that. I mean, that's not exactly what the quote is. It's it's something else word for word, but that's about what it was. And I, I love that that's the concept that you're invoking for this because I love that. I think it's it's so well it's so well put, and it's such a smart thing to say. I love that quote. I think it's just, like, great to reference, and I love that we're referencing it in a, something against Harden when Maury, rightfully, well, campaigned. Well, if you go back and make and look at a lot of the points that they made for Harden over Westbrook in 2016, they don't look so great right now when yeah. they're trying to make those same, same points about Harden over Giannis. That's true. I mean, for me, it was that – it was kind of similar with my, my Paul George over KD thing. Um God, Giannis was my third guy for Defensive Player of the Year. He had an unbelievable defensive season. And I do think Harden is a better defender than people say. I agree. Um, I totally agree. But 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 he is so many uh, leaps and bounds behind Giannis. And, like, it was funny. At first I was trying to kind of justify uh, voting for Giannis by saying, well, you know, the Rockets basically play – a specific defensive strategy because of Harden's defensive limitations. Like, they have to switch everything because Harden is just going to, like, butcher stuff otherwise. And so they switch a lot because of that. And it's like, well, if that if a player like that is causing a limitation, like a legitimate limitation in your scheme and to where you have to, like, put in a new scheme, maybe that's a reason not to vote. And then I was like, oh, wait, the Bucks had to go out and get all these really specific players to put around Giannis because he can't shoot. So it's the exact same thing on the other side. And it's like, it's really interesting. Like, this this MVP debate is going to kill me for years beyond because there's just not a right answer. They're, no, they're no, so really. freaking good. They're both so, so good. Like, you want to vote for Harden? Great. Oh, that's fine. That's, That's what it, it's not a vote against the other guy. I think no, people they're both unbe- they're both unfreaking believable players. They're but unbelievable you, you, players. That's one of the points that I forgot to make too. <clears throat> Spoiler alert: I have Giannis on my first team all defense, and if I'm going to have a guy first team all defense, like that's. That's another feather in his cap, right there, right? I mean, like that's yeah. the other side of the floor. Is that if you if I consider him that good of a defensive player, and he's had that level of an offensive year. Like he's just he's he's a more complete player than James Harden yeah. in my mind. You got you got ten more minutes or so? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's run through these real quick. Uh, defensive player of the year. What was your ballot? I went Gobert, George, Giannis. wasn't close for me. Gobert was really easy. 
Yeah, I see. I went PG. I, I went. I kind of had made, my mind made up with PG all year long. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for the perimeter, the good perimeter defensive player because I feel like it's like the quarterback with Heisman Trophy. I like going against the grain. We always tend to lean towards the the big man. Obviously, big men are really important for defense. I just, I love a disruptive, high level. Um, perimeter defensive player. So I went Paul George, Rudy Gobert, and I went Miles Turner with my Oh uh, yeah. Miles I considered Miles Turner. He's awesome. And then Cody Zeller fourth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You bring it up. Okay. I give you crap all the time because you voted for Cody Zeller for all defense two or three years ago or whatever it was. And I love it. Sec- was it what was it? Uh, second team all defense. Second team all defense, yeah. Yeah. And I I I, I love it. I love it. Cody Zeller is a great pick-and-roll defender. I don't say that with any irony. It's just great because you knew no one was going to vote for Cody Zeller. But it was just such a random vote. Yeah, such a random vote, and it's great. Who is your Cody Zeller memorial pick that people will look at and be like, whoa, he voted for who? Um, If you don't know off the top of your head, because I I got one for myself. uh, It might – I don't know if this is a who. It's it's a guy I have on second-team all-defense. I don't – I just don't remember seeing him get a lot of buzz for second team for for all defense, and that's PJ Tucker. Am I wrong? Were a lot of people hyping him up for all defense? I don't know. I wouldn't pay attention. He'll get votes. I didn't, I, I, I didn't I think, vote for him, but like I feel that's not that's not Cody Zeller level. Okay, like, I, I don't know like if I have one. Votes. I kind of have one. I feel like I mean I I obviously believe it. I did it, but I just I don't think it's going to be popular. I put Daniela Gallinari second for most improved. Oh yeah, yeah, we yeah you texted about this one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I had to, for uh, for most improved, I put Siakam one, Danilo Gallinari two, and D'Angelo Russell three. And I feel like people think that Gallinari just had like he was just healthy this year, and that's why. But it's like he he's th- to me this is like the definition of most improved. Like I I agree. I kind of like I like your logic because he's like we, thirty. We tend, he's like he's like thirty years old. Like we tend to just go young player that got better. Right. Like, he's he's like thirty. He's thirty years old, and yes, he was healthy. And obviously it helped that he was healthy, who wouldn't play better when they were healthy. But, like, highest three-point percentage since his rookie year and obviously on significantly higher volume and significantly more difficult uh, significantly more difficult shots and he was getting as just like a spot-up shooter on a crappy Knicks team uh, when nobody was guarding him because he was a rookie. Most points per 36 by far of his career. Most rebounds per 36 of his career. Most assists per 36 of his career. I believe highest rebound rate. Um... Highest three-point percentage, like I said, since his rookie year. Highest true shooting percentage. Highest effective field goal percentage. I believe he had the highest uh, box score plus minus. Like, you look at these. He was the, he was the best player on a 48-win playoff team, which had about 18 different iterations of itself. And, yes, he was still the best player on that team when Tobias Harris was there. Maybe Tobias Harris is a better overall player, but Gallinari was having the better season. He was, to me, the last forward off of my all-NBA ballot. And... There was no way I was putting him on. Like, the six guys were, to me, the six forwards on All-NBA was, like, the easiest vote. Like, hey, didn't even take that much from me. But he was the last guy off. And, like, even when Gallinari had, like, a good year on a 50, you know, that 57-win Nuggets team a few years back, like, the numbers weren't close. And nobody was even thinking he's the first guy off for All-NBA. He wasn't even close to that. And, like, He's not just healthy. Like, he got a lot better. And no one's going to vote for him. There's no buzz. Uh, And I didn't vote for him to win. I voted for Siakam to win for every obvious reason. But, like, he improved a 
crap ton. And I don't know, maybe he just had a great year. But it was more, this to me was more than just like he made a lot of shots, so he looked good. He was just a, a lot better than he's ever been this year. So that's my that's my crazy one. Who'd you go uh, rookie of the year? Your boy Trey Young? I did. Maybe the, I know. I know that's not going to be a uh, popular vote. I'm sure Luca is going to run with the run away with the award, but um, I feel like I feel like it was a deserved vote. I understand that that Luca got off to a massive head start, had a and and Trey's first month and a half was just like horrifically bad. Um, but Trey was was great when it mattered. The Mavs finished the season pretty terribly. They lost eleven in a row at one point, and I saw Trey is rising. While not that Luca was falling off, but Luca had basically the same type of month that Trey did. Uh, we just kind of didn't pay as much attention to it. And Lucas came, I think, in March. I think Luca played really poorly in March or maybe February. Um, yeah, and, March. and and Trey was like – Trey was terrific. I mean, like, I think that I saw the number – or uh, hopefully I don't get this completely wrong, but Trey averaged 25 points a game uh, after the All-Star break, and the only other rookie to do that I think was Michael Jordan. And so, like, I, I, think, I think that, that – uh, that that was enough for me to justify my bias. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Trey Young is really really good. Uh, all good points. I went with Luca because um, I think number three. That's really the question. Jaron Jackson. I mean, okay. I went Jaron Jackson. I went, I went with Aiden third. Yeah. Aiden had a good rookie year. Aiton did have a good rookie year. I uh, I guess maybe my Cody Zeller pick might be not having Aiton on my first team all rookie. Ooh, wow. Yeah, that might be my my one. I feel like that's not going to be popular. You have a rookie who averages 16 and 10. You don't have him on first team. My first team was Luca, Trey Young, Jaron Jackson, Marvin Bagley, and SGA. Okay, wow, that's interesting. We're a little different. I've got Trey Young, Luca, Aiton, Colin Sexton, and Marvin Bagley. Yeah, I considered Sexton. Sexton's uh, had a really good last like month and a half. Sexton thing. was great for a month and a half. I thought... SGA was better all around. And, like, just, like, I, I didn't do it because he's on a winning team, but but a rookie being, like, a starter and, ma- like, legit major contributor to a Western Conference playoff team, that's, like, wildly impressive to me. I mean, that's why I, I have Landry Shaman on there, too. I, that's like, oh, you do? That's uh, man, I I have I, I considered second him second team. I, you know, I yeah, I considered him for say second team all rookie is always kind of weird. Yeah, like, I think that, I think that those ballots um can kind of get a little bit weird. But uh, everyone different second team all rookie. You're, you're also like, probably there's there had to be some some bias there, right? With Landry Shamit, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm a huge huge Wichita State guy. No, I just because uh, you texted it the other night. It sounds like Shalom, or maybe yeah. you tweeted it. I tweeted maybe it. Tweeted. Okay. I tweeted it. It's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. It, my my pun was it was uh, it was Shabbat, not Shabbat, oh, that's what not, it was. That's because I tweeted yeah. Shabbat Shalom. Uh, yeah, but I've eaten. I've eaten on my second team with Sexton, Shamit, Mitchell Robinson, and uh, Rodian's Kurooks. Yeah, see, the second team's weird. I got Jaron Jackson, Kevin Knox, Kevin Herter. I mean, Kevin Herter yeah, was like Kevin Herter's good. good. Either of the bridges is fine. Uh, I have uh, Gilgis Alexander and uh, Oklahoma kid. Although I didn't, I didn't vote this reason. Uh, from I think uh, I think he, Alonzo Trier's from um, Edmond, isn't he from Edmond North? Or he's something? from Edmond. I think he is. I didn't even know that. 
I didn't even. Know I didn't that. vote for him for that reason. You know, I always see his name, and I wish his name was pronounced Trier. Would that be cooler? It would. I remember, be. like, I remember, like, seeing his name. Where did he go to college? I'm looking up. I'm looking him up right now. Arizona. Um, Arizona. That's right. Okay. Uh, I think he he's like from Oklahoma, and so yeah, he uh he transferred to Montrose. Oh, he went to where Kevin Durant went. So he went to Montrose his junior, but he transferred out of um, Oklahoma City, the uh, like Tulsa area. I didn't even realize that. that. Uh, before, because I know you only have a couple minutes left. Uh, just we won't even just just give me the three you voted for for Coach of the Year. I went with Doc Rivers. One tough choice. I mean, so hard, impossible, actually, legitimately impossible. I mean, all all. I mean, there's five great candidates. I thought. I thought there I mean, were like there could have been like yeah, seven. Been like you want to put uh, Terry Stotts on your ballot? That's fine. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Great you want to put Stotts on there, um, but I went with Doc. I went with Budenholzer, and then I went with Mike Malone. Yeah, I went with Budenholzer one, Doc two, Kenny Atkinson three. Kenny Atkinson. I mean, I considered him too. All right, yeah. what, what about uh, Malone's a great one. Nate McMillan had was phenomenal this year. Yeah, Nate McMillan. I felt terrible what? not voting for Nate McMillan. What about all defense? We didn't do all defense. Oh, yeah. So my all defense, my first team was Drew Holiday, Marcus Smart, Paul George, Giannis, and Rudy Gobert. And Giannis, Paul George, Rudy Gobert, Danny Green, Drew Holiday. Okay. I had Danny Green on my second team along with Eric Bledsoe as my two guards. And then I had my forwards, Thaddeus Young, Pascal Siakam, and my center was Embiid. Mm, that's, see, that's a little different. I've got Josh Richardson, Patrick Beverly, Draymond Green, P.J. Tucker, Miles Turner. Consider I didn't want to vote for Draymond. Guys. Draymond had such a down year, but like his down year was still pretty darn good. So. Yeah, <laughs> Draymond I really considered. Josh Richardson, I for a down year. Josh yeah. Richardson was my, my niche punishment. I, I love Josh Richardson as a defender. If you ask me who are the four best guards, defensive guards in the NBA, I would name Josh Richardson as one of them. Uh, but Miami plays so much zone. That's that, true. That's that fair. I was like, that that bogs down his effectiveness to some degree because like you can't utilize how good he is in one on one. Like these guys all play man to man, and so that was my my really niche NBA tiebreaker. Because niche, but fair. All these I don't know, the guards are the guards were hard. There are a lot of great guards. Derek White is awesome. Like, he's a great defensive guard. Malcolm Brogdon had an incredible defensive season. A lot of good guards. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Royce, thank you for coming on, man. Hey, it was my pleasure. This was fun. What an honor. It was great great to, for a good little reunion podcast here. Oh, wait. wait you joined? Real quick. What, six what, man. What? Six man. Give me your six man. Oh, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, hold on, I gotta find it. Gotta pull the old email I'll, back I'll up say, here. I had I had Lou Williams, uh, Damos, Sabonis. Dabo, and, uh, yeah, Dabos, Dabos, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Montrose Harrell third. Uh, I had oh, we had the same one. I had Lou Williams, da, Daboso, Daboso, <laughs> Sabonoso, and uh, Trez. Uh, you know it's disappointing. No one in my audience to this podcast probably has any idea why we're calling him Damos. Damos. Yeah. Because <laughs> Russell Westbrook called him by the wrong name. 
during the entire rookie year. And there, we had many theories as to why why Russell was getting it wrong. And that I, I think the the best one is that he called him because uh, it's Domas. That's that's his actual nickname, Domas. And Russell called him Damos, I believe, right? Damos. Um, Damos. Damos. Yeah. And um, and we just we I, we all liked the idea that he called him the wrong one all season long, but he was too. But uh, uh, Damos. Domas was was too afraid to correct him. <laughs> I mean, I I I I, I kind of think that's exactly what happened. I think that's probably true. <laughs> I, I I honestly think that's the most likely scenario. It's great. Ah uh, ah uh, uh, Russell ah uh, ah <laughs> uh, it's actually Domas ah. Uh. <laughs> He's great though, man. He's a great. Oh player. man. He's an I awesome he, player. If Lou Williams wasn't just like basically just the. Uh, Lifetime achievement winner for six man of the year, uh, he would have had a great case to to win it. I mean, he he he, there's, he makes an all star team at some point in his career. Consider me the least surprised person ever. Like he yeah, I mean, make an he, here's the thing. Uh, the, the this is a totally off the rails conversation, but like I mean, the Pacers are going to have to make a decision on him, him and Miles Turner because I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think I think uh, Dablos needs more menace. I mean, he's <laughs> Yeah, and they're both he's, best at the five. He is, a, he is a starting caliber center in the NBA, and he's going to need to play that as a starter. He's a good starting caliber center. Like if he is, if he's your starting center, like he's a good starting center. Like he's yeah. not even yeah. like the seventeenth best starting center. So he's a great backup. Like he is. I don't know. I'd have to do out the rankings, but would he be a top ten center? Is he a top ten center? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, off, off the top of my head, I'm gonna say yes, but I'm. I mean, he, he destroys backups, which is part of why his numbers are so good. He just kills backups, just absolutely nihilism. But he's, like, so decisive in everything he does. He's the quickest re-screener. Like, when he realizes that a screen isn't working, he's the quickest dude in the league to just be like, okay, this isn't working, I'm going to the other side. He's, he just processes things so quickly. It's it's awesome. It's, like, so he's so fun to watch. Okay, Royce, I'll let you go. Okay. Uh, plug plug your uh, your great work for my listeners before you uh, before you sign off. Uh, I am uh, Brett Dawson with the Athletic. Subscribe to the Athletic. It's only four. <laughs> yeah, subscribe to the <laughs> Athletic. Uh, I'm going to be doing podcasts like this like once a week for now. Obviously, if there's major Wizards news or something that comes up in the GM search or whatever else, obviously I'll I'll do podcasts that. They jump up with that as well. But for now, it's going to be once a week on Tuesdays or Wednesdays or Thursdays or something like that, and uh, I'll be running it then. Thanks again, man. I appreciate it. This was fun podcasting. One Good podcast. First time we've done it in a bit. All right. I will be uh, I'll be back sometime next week. I'll talk to you guys. Later.